from Philippians chapter 3 and verses 4b to 14. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. The reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They built one, uh, they beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the servants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, What will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. 
and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. An appreciating church, are we? A book which I acquired from Synod, and if anybody would like to take it and look at it, it's interesting. Um, the challenges of us appreciating what God wants us to do. I was reminded yesterday when I went to London of a play I saw earlier this year, um, The Glass Menagerie by Tennessee Williams. Um, some of you may well have heard The Glass Menagerie. It is a pretty, well, I find it boring, um, but um, some of you um, would have studied it for A-levels and GCSEs. Um, it is an interesting story of a family, a mother, a daughter, and a son, uh, and their dreams and their hopes go nowhere. After two and a half hours of this, I find it rather sad and rather depressing. But of course, if you think about the Old Testament, they have gone through a centuries and centuries of hopes that have apparently been dashed. And now, finally, there is this promise, and in that reading, Jesus talks to the Pharisees about what he says he has been called to do. How he is this new hope. He is this cornerstone. The stone under which, on which great things could be built. But of course, as we saw in the passage, the, in, in the reading, in Paul Glass's enlightened vision of what that was all about, he was rejected. The opportunity to be the appreciating church, and they rejected it. And Jesus looking forward to the way the rejection would come and how the society will perhaps all crumble around. And there's been much debate about what Jesus was referring to. Was it the whole fall of Jerusalem? And today we may think, as we reject God, what is the future for us?
One of my great joys, if I'm driving a car between 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock, or between 6.30 and 7.30, um, when the programme repeats, is to turn on Radio 3 and listen to Composer of the Week. I find Composer of the Week a fascinating programme. Um, and it's not just ancient, folk, uh, ancient um, composers from years gone by, very modern people as well. Uh, Scott Joplin was on not long ago, and other very modern people uh, appeared. What's rather sad about this programme, uh, and I can't really give names because I'm driving the car at the time, so I don't take too much notice apart from listening to the music, is how, in fact, so many of these great composers who've left so much to society they end up on the debit side. And we think back to that passage from Philippians, and Paul was talking about that all he had in his life was on the debit side, and it was compensated, of course, by God, by Christ being on the credit side. Massively powerful. Paul declared that by himself, he had nothing. Um, he apparently had lived quite a good life, and it should have been all right. But by himself, he had nothing, and he was firmly on the debit side compared to all that God was offering and giving to him. A massively powerful challenge for each one of us. Where do we think we stand in that particular scenario? It is very easy to say, yes, I think I've done so well. I am on the credit side as well. But of course, Paul said that he didn't want all the privileges that came with the life that he had been given and all that he had, the opportunities, the various materialistic things he had to be wealthy, to be well-regarded, were nothing compared to the call of God. And that was what he was hanging on to. And he was nothing. His debits were so high compared to the call of God on the credit side. We saw in that passage from Philippians a massively Jesus-centered Messiah-focused challenge to us all. As Christians, are we also following the way of Paul and are we too in Christ? Or are we trying to reflect that there are other, other things that we should be doing in our lives which may not be necessarily the way of the Father? Paul continually talks about being justified, justified by faith. And Paul says it isn't just about becoming a Christian. It is about fully immersing ourselves as people of God. No matter who we are, no matter what we may think we are, are we, like Paul, prepared to immerse ourselves in the way of God? Or are we, as those 
tenants did as the workers in the vineyard prepared to reject what God is saying to us and going another way. And so we are called today to think, where do we sit? Do we feel that we have also got the credit side with us because we are firmly latched on to what we feel that God wants us to do? Are we prepared to think in our worship today, what are we being called to do? Through the centuries, for some, it has been hidden, it's been literal and physical persecution. For others, responding to that call is sometimes more secret and more hidden. But we should never forget that following the way of Paul, we have the credit to look to, that God is there and God is with us. The verse that was put up from that last verse of the Philippians passage that was read, I press on towards the goal to which God has called me, heavenward in Christ. We think today about the challenges of this Sunday and this week. It was Wednesday week ago, I went inside Swaleside Prison. There is nobody inside Swaleside Prison who will, be, who will be given release in the next four and a half years. And it was fascinating to speak to the staff about what they feel is their great opportunity to bring new life and to bring new hope and to really believe, as someone said to me, that in the four and a half years minimum that lay ahead, that they can bring new life and new hope. You think of World Mental Health Day on Tuesday people who are living with conditions that some of us find hard to understand. But remember, one in four of us, at some point in time, will have a mental health concern in our own lives. And how do we, as a church, support and respond to that? And of course, it is Safeguarding Week. And we think especially of how we, as a church community, respond to the most vulnerable adults and the most vulnerable children in our society. And so today, I leave with you Paul saying that he was God-centered. He pressed on towards his goal. He believed that he had, despite himself, God was his credit. God was his hope, and God was his joy. Today, we are challenged as we were at Synod. Are we prepared to be an appreciating church?
appreciating the needs of those that we will come across, those who are vulnerable, those who have for a variety of reasons been in prison, those who have mental health conditions, and of course, there are many others. And so, in Christ's name, we press on towards our prize, Christ and God-centered, and for his glory's sake. Amen. <laughs>